The view only changes for the lead dog. Everybody, welcome to Pioneering Perspectives. I'm your host, Amira Williams, and today I'm joined with a very special guest, Miss Anne Mitchell. Hello, Anne. How are you? <laughs> I'm good this morning. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm so excited good. to talk to you. So let's just first jump into, can you please introduce yourself? Um, my name is Anne Hussman Mitchell, and I only use the Hussman because I grew up in El Paso, <laughs> went to Coronado High School, in case everyone wants to know. And um, so my name is Ann Mitchell, and I'm the owner of So El Paso. Nice. So how did you start So El Paso? Well, I had a baby store here in um, from about 2000, 2010 called Duck Duck Goose, and I sold that, and um, I was really trying to figure out something else to do. And I really wanted to do something for El Paso. I mm-hmm. thought El Paso keeps getting... You know, we're the redheaded stepchild of Texas. And I thought we just deserved a nice product that had our name on it. So I'm like, how hard can it be? So I started So El Paso, a line of salsa, pecans, tortilla soup. Um, and it kind of took off from there. Yeah. So why why exactly going into that space and showing El Paso? Well, there, you know, Park Kerr a long time ago had El Paso Chili Company. I thought it was just, you know, brilliant because... El Paso really needs something to put us on the map. You know, we, we, we don't have armadillos. We don't have longhorns. <laughs> we don't have oil wells. We don't have any of this quote unquote Texas stuff, but we do have great food and what better way to showcase El Paso than in the El Paso region with our, you know, Mexican heritage border food. Yeah, definitely. So then can we go maybe a step back? How did you even get into entrepreneurship? You're talking about that you've had these companies even before So El Paso. So when did it become relevant for you to be an entrepreneur? Well, I went to school. I was not that great of a student. I only did well in the classes that I liked. (laughs) And um, I graduated, so I did not have a job when I got out of school, but I ended up moving to Phoenix and got a job, landed a job with Apple Computer, Mm. which is kind of funny, and had a great time there, learned a lot, and it kind of has the entrepreneurial spirit. You know, my boss said, you know, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. And that's the way we did it. And so we already, already kind of had that entrepreneur feeling, even though I was in corporate. And then I went up to the Bay area and worked in the computer industry and same kind of thing, you know, kegs and dogs in the office. And just, it was just always an entrepreneurial kind of corporate environment. But, um, I had taken a class, a Johnson O'Connor class when I was a junior in high school. And it said, Oh, you should have your own business someday and do your finances because you're good with money or numbers. And so it was always in the back of my mind that I wanted to have a store. And then when I was in high school, I worked at Papagallo store for Mitzi Keller. So I had a little bit of retail experience. And, um, and then it just, I, you know, I worked in the Bay area, got totally burned out, moved to Austin, did the software thing again, got totally burned out. Um, I was tired of working for someone else and I was really stressed one day and I was, or a few days and I called my mom who was my best buddy And she said, you know, I talked to our priest and this is what he said. He said, never sacrifice yourself on the altar of someone else's success. Mm. And that was like a dagger, like, oh, Lord, that's what I'm doing right now. So I said, 
forget it. I waited till a couple of months till my bonus came through. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I quit that job and I said, I'm going to open my own business. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I ended up um, selling furniture that was made here in El Paso. Hans McKinney made this furniture out of old tobacco barn wood. And um, we sold that in Salado, Texas, which mm-hmm. is a little town. And it kind of started with nothing. And then we brought in Mexican imports. We'd come to El Paso and get a truck full of stuff. And then it was crazy. And then my husband, we got engaged and married and he and I did it. And then um, we ended up buying the furniture manufacturing business. And that's what moved us back to El Paso. Oh, wow. So that was my first adventure. Yeah. (laughs) So would you say that it it was necessary for you to first go into maybe an industry job where you are working for somebody first to understand what it is to be an entrepreneur? Absolutely. I mean, I think you have to get those basics. You have to know there's, you know, the P&L, there's a lot of stuff that you learn in corporate that, that as an entrepreneur, you might not think about or know about. So I think going, living, living in the corporate world was, it's, I think it's really important. I think this, this kind of microwave mentality of people today, like, oh, I'm going to put it up on TikTok and I'm going to make a million dollars. It doesn't really work that way. You have to know a lot more Mm. and you're not going to, learn that on your own. So you have to go find resources or go find mentors or whatever, but you know, what better place to learn with health benefits than than a corporate (laughs) job. (laughs) Yeah. So then can you tell me a little bit more about kind of your business structure with Soul Paso? So you're making, um, like kind of borderland food items that are like staples in our houses. How do you go about that? Are you personally making these, um, Salsas or how, how does that business work for you? <laughs> no, I am not in the kitchen making these. Everything's made with a co-packer. Okay. So, and the co-packers have insurance and they have, they, they've got all the licenses and that kind of thing. And then I put, they put my label on it and then I sell it as mine, but I do not manufacture anything. I, I never wanted to be in the manufacturing space. Okay. So they just, I cope. It's called a co-packing arrangement. Oh, Okay. So then do you at least get to taste them and say, mm, maybe add a little bit more of this or that? Or- yeah, of course. Yeah, because a lot of times they'll come back and I'm like, that's not spicy enough. You know, mm-hmm. It's not spicy enough. We're going to need more spice. So, um, yeah, absolutely. You can tweak the recipe and then make it happen. So it's 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 different than making it in your own kitchen. And also because I have to sell or because I do sell to the public, I have to have general liability insurance. Mm-hmm. And so I get a lot of people say, oh, you should sell my mom's buñuelas or whatever. I'm like, well, I can't because you don't have, it's not made in a commercial kitchen and you don't have liability insurance. So all my co-packers have liability insurance and they're made in a commercial kitchen. So we're legit. Oh yeah. (laughs) And so I also know that you have gifting with soul. How does that complement So El Paso? So So El Paso was really out of the pride of El Paso. And then when I started, um, with COVID, I started, I ended up doing a lot more corporate gifting during the, the year. I had a really nice client that did like 350 boxes for every one of their employees that was sitting at home. And that whole corporate gifting outside of the holiday season was really like, wow, we could really do something with this. And that's when I also was becoming or I became women owned certified. Mm-hmm. So I was like, wow, I could do this for national corporations. But I just didn't think El Paso kind of had that feel for like a national corporation. And I didn't want to pigeonhole myself into just, Oh, she just does 
you know, Mexican food or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I thought gifting was soul and I kept the soul SOL. It's mm-hmm. like a little shout out to El Paso. Yeah. The sun city. And, um, I thought I'll create this company and then I can do charcuterie and I can do breakfast and I can do wine. I can do all different things. I'm not just stuck with El Paso. Yeah. And so that's kind of how gifting with soul came about. It's just a DVA under my corporation. You bring so much knowledge, even in just this conversation. How did you become a mentor with P21? I have no idea, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I think Laura called me because Roman was thinking of maybe co-packing or making something like a product. And she said, hey, what do you, you know, can you tell? Oh, I know what it was. How, how did I get into Whole Foods? How did I get my product into Whole Foods? Because Roman wanted to make some stuff. And then she's like, we could get into Whole Foods. So she called me and I had a conversation about that. And then I had a conversation with him, I think and also her about how to go about co-packing and that kind of thing and minimums and is it refrigerated and not refrigerated and who are using a distributor or not using a distributor, just a bunch of stuff like that. And, um, and then shortly after she says, Hey, do you want a mentor? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I'd love, I mean, listen, so many people have helped me along the way. I mean, I ask a lot of questions and people are, you know, happy to give me answers. And so many people have helped me. I mean, to be asked to be a mentor was like, wow, of course, because I can't even count the number of people who've helped me along the way. Just little snippets here and there, here and there. Yeah. So what's one piece of advice that you you have from a mentor that you hold very near and dear to your heart? One of the biggest things I've gotten from mentors, you know, you can say all this knowledge, but I think one of the biggest things I've gotten from mentors has been you're, you're doing okay. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like you're, you're on the right track. And I think one of those mentors was David Jerome when he was at the, before he was at the chamber, he, he was like, you're doing, you're doing, you're doing good. You're doing good. And I think, yes, all the knowledge and, you know, the, you know, the ins and outs and then all that is fine. But I think when you're just grinding every day and you're not seeing the, you're not celebrating the little wins and you're not mm-hmm. celebrating the, you're just, you know, the ladder just keeps getting longer and longer and longer and longer. And when someone says, you know, you're, you're doing okay. It's like, Oh, whoa. Okay. So that to me, I think is, is probably the best piece of advice that, and you know, my first manager at Apple, it's mm-hmm. easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. Yeah. <laughs> so what, you know, that's that's always kind of been my my motto that and my my favorite is the the view only changes for the lead dog. So mm. it's like you don't want to be the dog behind the lead dog yeah. cuz you're going to you know what you're looking at. Yeah. <laughs> so what's something that you as a mentor try to incorporate with your mentees? So or another way to ask this is what do you want all of your mentees to be able to get from you? Well, I don't really think I have that many mentees, but um, I think I'm just, I'm direct. I'm honest. I'm, um, you know, don't, I'm not afraid to use the cuss word here and there <laughs> to get my point across. So I don't know if that's what I'd be proud of, but um, I think just I'm honest and direct. I'm not going to, I shoot from the hip. I'm not going to pussyfoot around, you know, it's something if I think it's right or wrong. And, and sometimes take your advice. Sometimes they don't. And that's fine. I mean, I don't take my own advice sometimes. So it's like, you just, it's, it's all a moving target. Yeah. You know, there's no lane. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's like bumper. It's like bowling with bumpers. You know, you're just kind of going back and forth. It's as long as the bumpers 
don't go down, you're okay. So it's entrepreneurship is, is a lot of good decisions and a lot of bad decisions. Yeah. <laughs> so can you maybe tell me what maybe one of your bad decisions that you had to recover from? Oh my gosh. One, there's so many of them. Um, probably my biggest, <laughs> I have a few, but, um, doing some coaching that I, that I got like nothing out of, you know, mm-hmm. she had this great pull and this great hook and I, and she hooked me in and then I, she was not good and I couldn't get out. I signed a contract <laughs> and I'm like, Oh my gosh, every month I'd pay this stupid thing. And so it was, it was a paid coaching gig that I'd got that I'd seen. So that that's probably one of my biggest, um, I don't know. I've tried all kinds of stuff. You know, we've tried to sell stuff and it doesn't sell or, or we, it, it's just kind of part of the deal. Yeah. You know, it's like, it just, you never know. You, you never know if you try. And that's, that's the thing. We're in the game. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not sitting on the sidelines going, well, you shouldn't have done that now. Yeah, okay. You're right. I should have done it, but <laughs> I'm in the game and you're not. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of a, I don't know. There's, I've done, I've had a lot of mistakes. Yeah. Let me tell you. <laughs> I must say, I, your perspective is so fresh and just, it's so fun. Uh, but one of the things I want to talk about, you know, being a woman in the entrepreneurial space. So can you talk to me a little bit about that and your struggles, especially because you, you say you're very direct and, you know, sometimes when women can be direct, it's taken as mean or hostile how have you navigated just having a strong personality and having strong values and being set in those in spaces where sometimes that's not encouraged? Well, I don't go to the spaces where it's not encouraged. Probably <laughs> is the right answer. I don't know. I mean, I've just always kind of been like this. It's I've always been pretty open and, you know, if you like it, fine. If you don't fine. I mean, um, I, I don't know. That's a hard question because I've never felt my myself as like, oh, poor me, I'm a woman, or poor this, or poor that. I, I've yeah. never felt any of that. Um, now, would I like to use it as my advantage? Sure, that's why I got women-owned certified. But I, I've never been like, oh, poor me. Um, direct saves a lot of time, and I mm-hmm. think when you are in the entrepreneurial space, you don't have a lot of time to be like, oh, sure, we'll try it. You know, like, no, it's not going to work. Like, people come to me all the time. Hey, I want you to do consignment. I'm like, no, I don't want to do consignment. I'm not going to take up you know, revenue generating space in my store with something I don't believe in. If I believe in it, I'll buy it. If not, I don't want to buy it. I don't believe in consignment. So that's direct. Yes. But saves them time, saves me time. I don't know. (laughs) I guess it's just the way I've always been. So what is the um, benefit of being women owned certified or so I got certified in 2019 of November, which we know what happened in 2020. And mm-hmm. what it's really done for me is, you know, everyone's like, oh, you're going to land the elephant and you're going to have this huge, you know, the whale or whatever. You're going to have this huge business. But what I've really gotten out of it is a lot of training and a lot of mentorship from other women owned businesses and mostly out of here. I mean, I think I think like El Paso has 21 women owned businesses and Dallas has a thousand fifty and you know, Austin has like 600 or something. I don't remember the Austin number, but it's, you know, it's, there's not a lot of women entrepreneurs here. And if maybe there are, they're not involved in the women, the, the WBNC, but it's been the training, the top level training. I did a training during COVID 
and it was every week. And we got these level, these corporate level trainers that I could never afford Mm -hmm. to go, you know, and we're doing it zoom. So I'm not even going anywhere. And just everything from accounting to HR, to marketing, to, um, you know, social media, to anything. And these are experts in their field and it's free because usually it's not free because the corporations pay it. They're sponsored by Capital One or Bank of America or whatever. So the training has been really, really key for me. I mean, it's, it's, and, and the connections, I wouldn't say I've landed any whales and I, and I'm okay with that really, because when I went in, I was like, Oh, I'm going to get a whale. But the, the amount that I've grown and learned and the people I've met has been totally worth the, the certification. Yeah. So, okay. For those who may not know what landing a whale means, what does that mean? <laughs> like a big sale. Okay. Like, like the biggest sale you've ever had. Gotcha. You gotcha. Know, like you're fishing for a trout and mm-hmm. a whale gets on your hook. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'd be pretty happy, right? Yeah. If you were hungry. So yeah. if you were hungry and you, all you wanted was a little trout and this big whale came and caught, you'd be like, wow, I can eat for two years or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's what a whale is. Gotcha. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and so you, you brought up, um, obviously what happened in 2020 and I've seen a lot of your products in airports. So how did 2020 affect your business considering that, um, you know, there, you have a space in airports and people weren't flying anymore. And yeah, I mean, we, well, we have, we do retail, we do wholesale and we do, you know, corporate gifting kind of thing. So wholesale really isn't that big of a percent of our business. I mean, it's great because we, in total wine, we're in whole foods in El Paso, we're in the airport in El Paso. It's great exposure, but it's not a whole bunch of our business. So it didn't affect us that much. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't that big of a deal because especially because these corporations came in, these local corporations and say, Hey, we, we need to have a picnic and we, we have the budget and we don't want to lose the budget. We need to send 300 gifts to our employees. Can you do that? I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. So that that's a whale. Gotcha. The airport's not a whale Okay. <laughs> as much as I love the airport. Mm-hmm. Yes. If the airport's listening, <laughs> no, there it's all good. It's yeah. all good. So then I know you also recently went to, was it a conference with the WBENC in New York? Yes. Can you tell me about that and what you got from learning that? Was it the same as what you did during COVID or was it like a get together? So no. So COVID was called We Thrive and it was a six week program. And um, if you had done We Thrive, you could apply for this Tuck University and I didn't even know this, but Tuck University is part of Dartmouth. It's Mm -hmm. the MBA program for Dartmouth, which is an Ivy League school, which I think is hilarious. Um, But uh, if you did We Thrive during the pandemic or any other time, you could apply for this Tuck University class. And we did two two things online, and then they actually sent us. It was it was sponsored by IBM, and we actually got up got to go to their training center in Armonk, New York, Mm -hmm. for five days. beautiful grounds, like hotel rooms, food, everything was paid for. And we got taught by universities from Tuck University. Um, they brought it all together with marketing and finance. And we, we dug really deep into like, you know, our P&Ls and our balance sheets and that kind of thing. It was really, it was a great class. And then you're with 50 other women and you're commuting, communing with them. So, yeah. you know, you're talking to them about their business and some of them are, you know, 
$50 million businesses and some of them are $200,000 businesses. They're, they're all over, but everyone's there to learn and everyone's giving. It's, it's a big give, get environment and just so empowering because um, I just met some fantastic women and, and then being taught by an Ivy league, you know, university professor. I mean, really I'm from Texas A&M. We're not Ivy league, but, (laughs) (laughs) but that was pretty cool. And, and, and then to do it offsite where you're not bothered by family and you're not bothered by your work and you're just, you're in it to learn Mm -hmm. and just soak it all in. And, and that was all provided by IBM. I mean, fantastic opportunity. Now I had to get myself there, but other than that, it was provided. So it's, it's, that's just another benefit of being women owned and being women owned certified is access to that kind of thing. I never would have had access to those kind of people. Yeah. So what's maybe one key like technical takeaway that you got from that conference? Probably the one it's kind of funny because I was thinking about my, my business and really that I started, I started so El Paso because I wanted something better for El Paso. Mm-hmm. And I want you know, I just think I'm a fourth generation El Paso. And actually my grandfather was a huge entrepreneur here. He was, he was another one of my inspirations because he was, he was pretty cool. But um, I think I really wanted something to do something for El Paso. And when I was there, I was talking to one of the, one of the professors and she said that Tuck University has this thing called the Tuck Truck. And they also have um, the tech stuff and the store is run by students. It's mm. like a student incubator and it's, and then the tech truck is like a food truck and they do, they help restaurants with um, setting up menus and taste testing and stuff like that. And, but it's all run by students. And I thought, how cool would it be to have a business that was run by students mm-hmm. and they're already doing it at tech university. And so I thought, you know, maybe that would be some, like my next step with this business is, is cause it's run by the entrepreneurial school and you have to take the class and you have to do it. I mean, you, stop, you have to show up to work cause you're getting a grade. Yeah. And that was to be exposed to that idea of like, wow, that could be something that my business could do. Um, and that would be even something bigger to do for El Paso instead of a jar salsa. Right. Yeah. I mean, we could do something where we could bring the products to market and we could, you know, you could get you out of your your grandma's kitchen and into a commercial kitchen and, you know, package it correctly and put it on the shelf somewhere. And that 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 would kind of be like my next like really cool thing to to do to help, because there's a ton of people out there with products mm-hmm. and I think food products, too. And they're just they're they're just limiting themselves, making it in their home. You know, mm-hmm. the, the what is it called? The cottage law or whatever. And if we could help them even put it on the shelf at El Paso. I think that would be really, that would be really cool. Yeah. It's so cool seeing you light up talking about this. You're such an entrepreneur lighting up about the next day. Yeah, it may not work, but, <laughs> but, but, the, the positivity but I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> so you said that um, your grandpa was an entrepreneur. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about what he did? Apparently it runs in the family. Oh my gosh. My grandfather. Well, I don't know if you, the Epic rail yard over there. Yes. The, the back of it. Says, the venue yeah. space. Yeah. The back of that says Hussman H-U-S. That's, that was my grandfather's building. Oh, okay. So he had a, um, he had a, a bar and restaurant supply that mm-hmm. he opened after prohibition and he had a, his arm was like paralyzed so he couldn't join the army. And he just did all kinds of stuff. He went to Chicago and 
bought all, you know, overruns spoons and melted them down and did something else. And he made shuffleboard tables and um, he had a, I don't know if you've ever been to Chopi's up in La mm-hmm. Union. Old man Chopi had a bar in the middle of a, of a cotton field and he came up to us one day and he was like, wow, you know, your grandfather really made my business because my grandfather sold him a shuffleboard table, but on credit, which no one sold on credit back then. Mm-hmm. You had to pay 100%, right? So he would have these tournaments over the weekend and make all this money. And then my grandfather would come and he'd pay him the you know weekly amount or whatever. And so it really made his business take off. And, but my grandfather was, he was, he was just smart, you know, he, he was smart and he was really smart at cards too. He, oh, wow. We always play cards with him and he would be like, you're going to want this card. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> so he was just, he's kind of a bigger than life guy and um, just a kind of an inspiration for me. And then his, his father actually started husband refrigeration in St. Louis and um, he had a patent on a ref- on a, re- a cold storage thing. Wow, Harry the first, and um, he <laughs> sold the business. His wife had tuberculosis, so they moved down here with their eight, uh, seven seven or eight kids. And um, now Husband Refrigeration is like a billion dollar international company, and we don't own any stock. So. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> we just have the name. Yeah. So now I understand why uh, you use Husband though, and that how you said um, that it has tail pass it. That's super cool. Yeah, and my dad was a banker here, so he knew a lot of people. So, and my brother still lives here. So, um, you know, if I lived anywhere else, I wouldn't. I would not use the Husband. Mm-hmm. Just in El Paso. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. What is one piece of advice you would give to entrepreneurs that is uniquely Anne? So oh my gosh, there's going to be highs and there's going to be lows, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and when the lows come, know that the highs are coming. And when the highs are there, know that the lows are coming. So when you have a high, just try to stop and and celebrate it. And I, I I think I don't do that enough sometimes too. It's Mm -hmm. like, Oh wow, that was cool. And then what's next, Mm -hmm. you know? So, um, it's a ride. It's a ride. Yeah. Either stay on or hold on tight. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. And so wrapping up, what is next for, what can we expect next from you? I don't know. Well, we're right in the middle of holiday season, so it's a little crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. We're probably looking at more, looking into newer, um, new products next year. Mm-hmm. I haven't had time to really do any new products. We've been scrambling since COVID to kind of keep everything together. Um, Try to get a better team going. I mean, I think it's been really hard to find people. I mean, if we're going to be honest about being an entrepreneur, finding people to work has been really, really difficult. Um, I've never seen it's it's been crazy. Um, so trying to find a good team that's going to have the same vision and stay and um, that wants to work. I mean, it's it's it's, it's not pretty. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of, you know, when you, when you work for a small business, it's not glamorous. That's all I have for you. I've really enjoyed our conversation and I, I feel like I've learned a lot from you so far. So I can't wait to see where Soul Paso goes. Um, I'll be hopefully trying that new product that you're, you were talking about. Well, if you have any ideas, let me know. Gotcha. (laughs) All righty. Well, it's been so great talking to you, Anne, and let's let's stay in touch. All right, Amira. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate everything that Pioneers 21 is doing, and I think it's a great thing for helping 
all these entrepreneurs in El Paso and we can never get enough help. I mean, there's, it's a, it's a grind. So yeah. we appreciate any, any help we can get. And I know Pioneers 21 is doing a great job doing that. Thank you. And thank you for the help that you give to Pioneers 21. We appreciate you. Well, you're welcome. <laughs>